What's up, everybody? Welcome to Philly Insider Podcast. We are filming this early Saturday morning, so me and Hunter are a little bit groggy out here. Our apologies, but tonight is game I ain't one. groggy at all. Toronto Raptors. My goodness, dude. Playoff basketball for the Sixers is finally here. And with that being said, we are going to discuss the first round matchup a little bit in general, but we will get into specifics of game one and the series as we go. So first off, let's just talk general feel for both teams, man. Like, how are you feeling right now about Sixers Raptors? Let's keep this real short, just the general feeling. Yeah, I, I think Mike Levin said this last time when Ricky writes to Ricky Sanchez. And it's funny because even before he said that, this is exactly what I thought. The Sixers either need to win the series in five or else I don't think they win the series if it goes to six or seven. Could I see them winning in seven? Yeah, but I think that's pretty much you're, – you're asking for a second-round exit at that point with how much you're going to have to work to get that win for the series. I feel you, man. No, it's – on the Sixers' side, this matchup is going to be close. On the Raptors' side too, man, I was looking. We got some team stats for the Raptors here. Let me give them to you. The Raptors four, and their opposing points per game are seven. They're great at holding other teams, but that score is to 107. Like, their margin of error and their wins is very small. They pull out these close games. So you don't want to let this series drag out because you know as well as I do, you let a team hang around like the Raptors who can win those close games, and, well, you don't want to play with fire. Let's just leave it at that. And also, they're getting hot, too, at the right time, man. The Raptors have really been coming on strong down the backstretch. And with that being said, bro, we got to talk about some of the specifics on these guys. For a lot of Sixers fans, I'm assuming most haven't watched a lot of Toronto basketball. I'd be lying if I said I did. But I did you guys a favor, and I did some research into a lot of the Toronto players before we got on this pod. But before I do get into that, Hunter, you want to do some specifics on these guys? Just give me the general feel. Because I did a lot of research into this one, but I know you kept it more general. You were reading the articles. What's the word out on these guys? They're going to offensive rebound very, very well. You know, I know in your stat sheet that we were looking at, they have like half their half of the nine guys that are probably going to play average like two board, almost two boards per game. You know, that's kind of an exaggeration, but just go look. I mean, they pull down offensive rebounds. So you can't allow this team to get second chance points, which we've allowed a lot of teams to do this year. And now we're facing the team that does it the best. And you can't allow them to get out in transition, which is also something we've really struggled with. So their strengths match up really well with our top weaknesses. That's really, that's, those are the two big things I need. I think you need to know is rebounding and transition basketball. We can't take any, and I mean, any plays off, you know, this isn't the regular season anymore. It's not just another team out there that's, you know, kind of got there off of their talent alone. No, this is a team that plays team basketball and they're going to hustle. And they honestly, like, you know, I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way. Like they, they kind of play like a Philly brand of basketball in a sense, you know, just kind of that grit and grind. And I'm not saying we don't, you know, we we're Philly, we play Philly brand of basketball, but you get my point. Like we play, they play that grit and grind type of basketball and that's tough to beat is a team that plays that way and is that motivated with a coach like Nick Nurse who gets them to believe that that philosophy is going to work game in and game out. That's going to be tough to beat. I think those are the two big things you need to know going into this series. All right, man. Let's. I'm pulling up this now as I start. Let's get into it. We got to start with the Raptors' ace, the ace in their hole. We got Pascal Siakam. 
This dude has been doing the most for a bit now, man. He's shooting not the best from three, 34%, but it's respectable. You feel me? Then we go to his field goal, field goal percentage. He's the closest to 50 that they got at 49.4. And he also takes the most attempts on the Raptors at 17.8. Then you go over to the rebounding side. He's one of those dudes, bro, you mentioned, gets up right near two offensive rebounds a game. On top of that, also pulling down a total of 8.5 rebounds a game, leading the Raptors in that stat. And he's grabbing a steal per game. That's something I just want to disclaimer right now. Almost, I, actually it is, all the starting five on the Raptors are averaging more than a steal per game. Like, we better be sure to take care of the ball during this series. They got active hands. They're getting out after that. You got to be careful. I'm looking especially at James and Maxie for this. Players who sometimes end up doing a little bit too much by themselves, and then they get the ball ripped. We've seen that especially more so from James than Maxie this year. So, like... They got to be careful. Watch the ball. Keep it safe. Don't get – you can't run with turnovers, especially for a team which is very good in transition, like you were mentioning, Hunter. We don't want that because the number one way you start transition offense is with turnovers. It just is how it is. From there, so Siakam's obviously a concern, but my bigger concern is you're going to see as we I read out some of the rest of these for these guys. Fred Van Fleet. I know he's come down since All-Star break. But man, is still shooting a cool 37.7 from three on dang near 10 attempts a game. Then his field goal percentage is, man, as you know, some shooters will be. But he's also, he takes the second most shots on the Raptors. So he's right up there with Siakam in terms of usage. And then from there, he rebounding offensive rebounding, you know, Van Fleet. He's on the smaller side. That's, you got to expect a little bit less from him there. But he's tied for most steals on the team with like 1.7. And you talk about the 20 points a game he brings, it's big. It probably would have been more if he could have just kept things together going off his injury. But we'll see how that plays into this series. That is something to watch. The Van Fleet from the second half of the season is not the one from the first half. Then we go to OG. OG, I, you were mentioning this before the pod, Hunter. It just seems like every time we play OG, he's splashing threes all the time. It just is what it is. That's fine to been witty level, but it's still really good. <laughs> he is really good. And he is respectable once again, 36% from three on the year. And he, again, he's one of those guys who puts up attempts on the Raptors. He's their third. He's got the third most attempts yet at 6.6. And then you look throughout. He's another one of their big rebounders. He hustles. He gets after it. He's not over two, but he is at 1.5 offensive rebounds a game. And I'm not going to mention the steals for him or the rest of these guys. Scotty Barnes, bro, big slasher. He does all the dirty work, it seems, for this team when it comes to whether that's offensively, defensively, cutting into lane, setting screens getting up there for boards. He pulls down 2.6 offensive boards a game, man. This dude, he is in the lane. He is in the paint. And he's second on the team to Siakam and rebounds at 6.5. This man is just, he's an animal, bro. He's, he's going to be a problem. You got to dedicate resources to him. You talked about hustle and grind basketball. That's Scotty Barnes, bro. He has been doing the most this year. And a guy who I kind of, from the time he got to the Raptors in the trade, I really expected big things from him, and he has come through this year. I am talking about Gary Trent Jr. shooting a 38.3 percentage from three on dang near eight attempts. Homeboy's field goal percentage is hovering around 41.4. He's mostly, he's pure shooter. That's Gary Trent's whole style. He's pure shooter. It is what it is. He can get in there with steals and stuff, but defensively isn't where he makes his mark. And he is actually the third leading scorer on the Raptors this year. I never really understood that trade, the way they moved things out and the way Portland gave things back to Toronto. But, you know, 
whatever. My point being, you got some bench guys. I have some stats for them too. But I wanted to talk about those starting five, man. Based off what I just said, we kind of labeled them all a little bit as I was reading out those stats. Siakam, you see, is the ace. Then you go to Van Fleet. He's kind of there. He's their scoring guard. He can assist. Yes, nobody's saying he can't. But it's not Van Fleet's focus. The focus of Van Fleet's game is to score. He's one of those types of guards. He's the combo guard, essentially, is what I would label him as. Then you go to OG. This is where the worry comes in. When you come to OG, Gary Trent, and Gary Trent, we kind of label shooter, but OG, Scotty Barnes. OG, Scotty Barnes, and Siakam kind of all, despite Siakam being their ace, they kind of all play like that hybrid stretch role where they can shoot their three-level scorers. You can really apply that to anybody on the Raptors. My point being, bro, this team plays as close, quite close to positionless basketball as I can imagine almost, with the exception of Van Fleet. So now let's get into the next segment of this. We got to talk a bit about their specific players. Let's talk about, let's just do a plain out better, better or worse, better or worse. I'm going to compare you the Raptor, and then we're going to talk about their sixer counterpart. So one where we have an obvious win because the Raptors don't really have a traditional big man, I guess you would say. I guess I'm trying to think who they would argue that they run at big man. Uh, do you, who? I guess they would argue they run Siakam at big man? Siakam, Boucher, Thad Young. Those are really the only options, right? Point being, so like, let's go, let's go with Siakam then. Clearly Embiid is a better player than Siakam. Yeah. That is <laughs> yeah. We get the win there. But then from there, things get a little interesting. So Harden with us has been, I'd still argue, I think it's very fair to say, definitely better than Gary Trent Jr. But you have to wonder how that comparison is going to play out in terms of team fit, especially considering will we see playoff Harden? What do you think, man? For me, I still put Harden way above Gary Trent Jr. But it is a point of discussion that Harden's performance in these playoffs has to be under watch. I think he understands that too, you know, I'm going to put some faith in James Harden and say he comes through in the, in this series, at least, you know, look, I know he hasn't been the best in playoff basketball in his career, but also keep in mind, some of that comes from when he was playing the dynasty warriors for years in, in, in Houston. I think he's going to perform up to the caliber he needs to perform up to. I don't know if he's going to be outstanding in the playoffs, but I, I do think he's going to do what we need him to do to get us to the next round. All right, so we got two so far on the slide between Harden and B, but I think we expected that, no doubt. But now we get to the rest of them. Between Van Fleet and Maxi Dog, and it is Van Vliet. I keep saying Van Fleet sometimes. Van Vliet, between Van Vliet and Maxi, who are we taking there, better or worse? I'm, I'm going to take Van Vliet just for the experience. I know he's been really bad since the injury and really bad since the All-Star break, but look, he, he's experienced. He knows how to play play a, play a basketball it's a new regular season, not regular season. It's a new season. It's a new season. Maxie's been here before, too. I think getting that playoff experience last year was so valuable for Maxie, especially that game six where he kind of carried us into game seven against the Hawks. So Maxie's been here before. I, th I think Maxie's going to ball out because, look, Maxie, I told you yesterday, he's just a dog, man. I mean, no matter what the logic says, he's going to go out and just get his points and, and get his buckets here and there, right? But Van Vliet is still the more experienced guy. I'm going to take him in this matchup. For sure, man. You can't underscore, you can't undersell experience when it comes to the playoffs. The game changes, pace changes, the way you, the calls you would normally get from a ref, the way people play defense. Defense just steps to a whole new level in the playoffs. It is what it is. 
And like you, I also got to give it to Van Fleet there. Experience aside, his game translates a bit more to what the playoffs like, which is, especially as a point guard, how well can you get your teammates involved and keep them in the game? Because when it gets to ISO ball and ISO scoring in the playoffs, that doesn't end up working out well a lot of the time. A good amount of the time, that does not end up working out. So with that being said, taking Van Fleet, we are now at two to one. The next comparison, I'm curious to see who you say for this, between Tobias Harris and OG Ananobi. Who do you take? I'll give mine first for this one. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a bit on the pessimistic side and say I take OG here, just because I feel like he's more consistent from three in terms of the way he plays and also defensively, no offense to Harris, but OG is a defensive anchor. Toby is not that, not that by any stretch. He's a decent defender, and sometimes he can be even good. But he is not the defensive anchor that OG can be. So I'll take OG in that matchup. I'm going to take Toby. Look, Toby was here the last time we lost to Toronto in heartbreaking fashion. And, you know, I was talking about, like, anyone who was on that team knows what this series means to this city right now. I'm going to put some faith in Toby. I think he's been playing well down the back end of the, the regular season, outside of the last game, obviously, but no one else was playing. I mean, he didn't really have any help in that game. So I'm going to put some faith into him. I think normally I'd probably take OG, but I think the way Toby is going to mesh with the starting lineup, if all goes well and Harden plays well, and then the chain reaction happens where Maxi's playing well and Toby's playing well, I, I think Toby's going to have a good series and, and be able to help us out. On defense, I mean, it's likely he's probably going to get switched on Siakam and stuff like that. So when that happens, I'm obviously worried about that. That's a whole nother conversation. But in terms of just, you know, offensive production and what Toby can bring to the table, I'm going to take Toby here. I got you. We end with, I'm pretty sure we have an easy answer to this one. But maybe we don't. Between Scotty Barnes and I'll sub Matisse slash Danny in here for this last spot. Who are we taking out of that pair? Go ahead, my man. I'll, I'll take Scotty just because Matisse can't play the whole series for one. And Danny's good, but he's not great, right? I think, and I'm not saying Scotty's great, but I think he's definitely a tick above Danny. And he's got more potential, obviously. Scotty's younger. So, yeah, I I, I think he's going to move a little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. I think Scotty will just make more of an impact than the other two guys we listed. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, again, one of those guys who just does all the dirty work for the game, all the hustle, all the energy, grit and grind type of dude. So, yeah. Scotty Barnes, be on the lookout, Sixers fans, for Scotty Barnes. He might cause us some pain this postseason. He's definitely a guy to watch out for on that Toronto team. You'll have heard of Siakam. You'll have heard of Van Vliet. You're about to, if you don't already know him, you're about to learn the name Scotty Barnes real fast. Yeah. And with that being said, bro, I want to get into kind of, I didn't really have this segment planned out. We were supposed to actually do keys to the game next. But as I was thinking, I thought we have to touch on this in this preview. Coaching. Somebody said it to me recently, and I thought, you know what? You're right. The Sixers roster is just, in my opinion, better than the Raptors roster. And you even saw that in the reflections we did. I was on the pessimistic side, and we still won the starting player comps three to two for mine. On yours, it was be it would be like four to one, I believe. Maybe three to two. Was it three to two for you? Three to two. I didn't I didn't have uh I gave Tyson Day. Wait, uh-huh. I for, it doesn't matter. I think I had four to one. I forget. Point being, no, no, I three to I two. Say, I three to two. I three to two. At the very least, we definitely, then I must have been on two to three. At the very least, we have the two best players in the series. Even if you don't want to argue that overall between their bench, which is it's a fair argument, 
Toronto has a better lineup overall than we do. We had the two best players in this series. And normally that gives any other team almost the auto dub. We see this all the time in the NBA. People are like, you got the two best players in this series, you're winning. Except for some reason, we don't seem to have that feeling about us. And a lot of people, when I talk to them about that, the standpoint they always get to is the coaching and how big of a mismatch we are at there when you talk about Nick Nurse, arguably one of the best coaches in the NBA, and Doc, one of the most painfully average to below average coaches in the NBA. Dude, give me the just general feel for this coaching matchup. Like, what are you seeing here? I mean, I, I think well, the big thing for me is the Raptors have nine guys who can all play and be productive in playoff basketball. The Sixers have nine guys who could play, but not the second part, not be productive in playoff basketball. And Doc thinks we have like 10 or 11 guys who can do that. That's a big problem is that I don't think he recognizes the lack of depth on the bench right now. And and granted, that'll probably get addressed in the offseason and free agency and, and whatnot. But you know, we're talking about right now, and I don't think Doc's, you know, Doc's rotations are obviously a major concern. Last year we saw against the Wizards, half-court sets were pretty dry, and that never changed the rest of the series or the rest of the Hawks series. We just kind of, we just had the talent to beat those teams. Obviously didn't beat the Hawks, but, you know, we know why that happened, um, which was also partially Doc's fault. So it comes down to him being aware of situations, and I think with Doc, it just comes down to the fact that when someone is getting repeatedly beat, you know, drive after drive, kick out after kick out. Like you just see, they just have us in shambles scrambling the whole time. And it's just play after play after play. And then before you know it, it's like an 11-0 run. He doesn't stop the bleeding at like a six or 7-0 run, right? Like he just, and even after timeout, we'll put the same guy back out there on the same player in, in terms of matchups. So to me, it just comes down to him being aware and, and recognizing stuff and swallowing his pride a little bit and saying, hey, we scouted this, but it's not working. Let's switch it up. You know, I don't feel like he does that very much. So I worry greatly about him in this series. If we lose, it's probably going to be one. I mean, one, it could be hard and going cold. Two, the other big reason will be Doc. And if we lose the series, Doc is done. His, his job's on the line. I mean, look. The team hasn't made it out of the second round, though the four seed. They drew the toughest, one of the toughest matchups in the first round now, outside of the Nets, obviously, coming out of the play-in. This is this is pretty much his job on the line and also his legacy. I mean, especially if we go up a couple games and he blows the series, like, yeah, he's he's definitely no one's gonna have any respect for him anymore. But um, yeah, so I, I I think he has a lot to coach for, but I don't know if he's gonna do what he needs to do. And Nick Nurse is just Nick Nurse. He's he's a great coach. I don't have much to say on him. You can touch on him. Nick Nurse, I echo all the concerns you said about Doc Man. And also, I'll add, when you talk about situational awareness, you go to the other side with Nick Nurse, man. Talk about a guy who really knows how to play things in just a creative way. It seems like he throws so many different looks out there. You see, because of the guys who he listed in the points per game when it comes to the Raptors, everybody's kind of tight. You got a few guys who stand out a little bit, but like everybody's kind of tight. This nurse recognizes on nights where you got the hot hand, he'll just let you go. He's not committed to getting stars, quote unquote, stars, their shots. What he did to is you're hot, you're on tonight. You're really hitting those shots. You're really getting into the lane, making those passes. You do what you got to do tonight. We'll run the offense through you. He adjusts for his players and he is a big matchup hunter, dude. 
I mean, my goodness, I didn't know what I was going to do with this stat when I saw it. But let me ask you something, bro. Would you say the Raptors are a team playing basketball, are a team style basketball team, team play basketball team? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Their assists per game, bro, they average 22 over the regular season. Guess where that ranks in the NBA? I'm not saying it's going to be towards the bottom by the way you're saying it. 29th. <laughs> and that's not to like call out the Raptors for no playmaking. I don't think that's what that is. What I think it is is Nurse puts his guys in one-on-one such good situations, like amazing one-on-one situations, such a large amount of the time that there isn't a need to playmake. But he gets them looks where they can can play their games to the best of their ability where there is no you don't need a fail out option you don't need to bail somebody else out you don't need to kick it out he draws up the play in such a good manner that you're just like oh i have everything right here i have the shot i need i got the scoring i need and like that you don't even need the assist because he's drawn up the play from the start he's designed and hunted the matchup so well from the start that that's just it you have such a good scoring opportunity there why would you pass it up so I just thought that was a cool thing. I was thinking, I saw that earlier, but I was like, this doesn't really make sense in context. And then as, as I was thinking about Nurse and his coaching style, I was like, now I think I can contextualize this. So I want to throw that in there. And you talk about a guy who's just, I mentioned it again, I meant, I'll say it again, so creative. Nurse is one of those coaches I have a lot of respect for. The, the, he's a big mismatch for Doc. He is, him and the coaching is probably... Short of like Embiid on whoever, short of Embiid on whoever, the coaching is definitely the biggest mismatch probably in this series. Yeah. And bro, we talked coaching, got to talk through specific players, player matchups, general feel. Let's close this whole thing out with keys. We talked about during Eagles podcast, we talked about keys to a game. Let's talk keys to a series, bro. Let's give, we'll go back and forth. We'll bounce them back and forth with each other. I don't really have any set in stone. And I think there's a few we could repeat. So let's go back and forth. We'll do three each. I'll start us off, give you a bit of time to think since we're fielding this on the spot. And I'm going to say the bit, one of the biggest things we got to worry about is just box out. Don't let them get those hustle boards, which they are infamous for. If they get, they're going to pull down a few second chances over us. We are not a good enough rebounding team to the point where I feel we can stop that completely. But make sure you are hustling. Make sure you are putting in the energy to grab the effort rebounds. Don't let them completely out-hustle you. They're probably going to out-hustle us a little bit. They probably are. But don't let them completely get to you. Don't let them make that difference so big that it starts to really weigh in on the game. That's my first key. The first key, you said it, Sanjay. They might have you know more depth than us and, and a better all-around team, I would say. But we have the two best players in the series. And one of them has to play better in the playoffs, and that's James Harden. So I need James to be efficient like he was the first few games when he got here, not the way he's been playing as of late. I think it was Jalen Rose who said it. His three-point his three point numbers look like dates right now, or concert dates, 413, you know, five for, five for, five for 15 or whatever it may be. You know, it's it's got to be better. So I need James to step up this series and – because, again, like I said, it's a chain reaction when he plays well. Everyone else plays better when James is having a good game. So don't go into the lane foul hunting. Go in with a plan. You know, even if you can't get by, guys, use your use your IQ. 
to be able to get through the lane and get buckets, use your strength, and be able to hit that step back this series. I feel that, man. We could definitely use a little bit more, a lot bit more from Harden, no doubt. Going over to the next one, man, the thing I got to see, I have, I absolutely have to see, is I need to see Toby making buckets. He is our fourth option, fourth best player, if you ask me. But Doc does not want to make him a fourth option. There are a lot of plays where Toby gets touches the ball before Maxi. Sometimes there are plays where Toby touches the ball before Embiid. Now, sometimes Embiid just isn't on the floor and they go to Toby as number one option. My point being, Toby gets a lot of touches. He just does. He gets so many touches throughout our offense. He needs to come to play. He has come up very short in the playoffs in recent memory. And I just need him to turn things around. He's been hot lately. I'm hoping he can ride the hot hand into the playoffs. He was doing really well towards the tail end of the regular season, especially from three-point shooting. And we need him. Doc loves making him a focus of the offense, which means he needs to hit shots. I'm looking at Toby, and you talk about on the defensive side too. Like you mentioned, in games in Toronto when Matisse is out, Toby is going to be asked to do a lot more probably. How well can he hold defensively and take care of sometimes a Siakam, sometimes a Scotty Barnes, sometimes an OG? Like He's going to have to probably guard a bunch of different players throughout this series just because like you mentioned – throughout their entire lineup, they're so interchangeable. Like, Nick Nurse can pretty much put in whoever and have you run the play. So Toby's probably going to be asked to do a lot defensively in addition to having to maintain offensive success. And we need him. We need him, bro. Absolutely. Yeah, my second key is going to be how we play when Embiid is off the floor. You have to just survive. You can't implode when Joel can't be on the floor. And he's going to be on the floor most of the time. Shout out to everyone who said he could only play like 30 minutes a game back when he was really young and that he wasn't going to be able to play full seasons. This is the healthiest he's ever been. So, you know, he's not going in with it. He's not going to be playing with a torn meniscus, hopefully this playoffs. But look, he still has to come off the floor. That's the reality of it. And DeAndre Jordan just needs to manage. He just needs to not be awful, which he was awful at sometimes in the regular season. And I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm not saying B-Ball Paul is ready for it. I'm not saying he has to play, but there might be times where you have to say, okay, this isn't working. We need a little more, more of an athletic guy with some length out there who can run with a guy like Siakam, who played well against a guy like Giannis earlier this year. Bebo Paul defended Giannis very, very well. I know Doc said he's not going to play him, but there's going to be a point where they might have to say, all right, we need to change something or else we're going to lose this game in the series and we can't afford to lose this game. So be willing to, to maybe take some chances with him and – yeah, it just comes down like I think it kind of goes along with your point on Toby, which is why I'm using it now because he's going to be out there with a lot of the bench guys a lot of the time, as we as we know. Thankfully, it's usually two starters at a time now, which should have been last year. But you know, it's it's a lot's going to fall on him when Embiid's out of the lineup for sure. All right, and for my last one, man, this I can't hammer this home enough, and we talked about him already, but I'm going to say it again. I need to see some more than just ISO ball. And that means, Doc, you got to let the guys know. You got to let them know. Keep the ball moving. Let everybody get involved. Let everybody stay warm. I understand you got stars who need their touches. That's fine. But you got to make sure the other guys stay in rhythm because we need those other guys. We need people like Aniang to be able to continue to hit threes. He's been so huge. We need people like 
Shake is most definitely going to be out there, whether we think he deserves to be or not. He's definitely going to be out there. We need him. He's a rhythm guy. You need to give him some rhythm, some touch for him to be able to contribute. We go into other people like Danny Green, huge rhythm shooter. You need to get him, whether he bricks or not, you need to get him some touches just so he can be ready for those moments where we do really need him. And I'm trying to get other guys off the top of my head. Max, even Maxi, you got to make sure Maxi doesn't. Maxi has a weird habit of just like kind of fading into the background sometimes in some games where he just kind of just like decides since I'm not playmaking, I'm going to just pass it out too much. He doesn't, for, he doesn't I don't want to say four shots, but he's not being Passive. aggressive. Passive, yes, that's a good way to put it. Sometimes Maxi can be passive. And when he's aggressive, we've seen the amazing things he can do. So my point being, Doc, you need to make sure that this team is playing as a team. I understand you have two of the best one-on-one players in the game right now with Embiid and Harden, but these other guys, we need these other guys too. Make sure everybody stays involved. Don't let the game, because like I said, bro, I said it earlier in the pod in relation to just the NBA in general. In the playoffs, when ISO ball come around, it typically doesn't end well. So I need to see Doc, and this goes for Doc and all the guys on the team, I guess. Make sure you are keeping your teammates involved. Make sure everybody's staying in rhythm. Don't get too ISO-centric. I'm going to leave mine at that. Yeah, well, going along with your coaching point, my last point is going to be when Matisse can't play in Toronto, who's going to step off the off the bench? Because obviously Danny's role is then going to be elevated. He's probably going to start. Nyang is now, like, Nyang is probably going to be the sixth man anyway, but, like, Nyang, obviously, that's a little more weight for him to carry coming off the bench, being more significant, uh, playing in more significant minutes. And then that leads a chain reaction to either Shake or Korkmaz is really going to have to step up in, in that role because they're going to be one of the other guys who's probably going to come off the bench. And, you know, another team probably wouldn't be playing those guys in the playoffs, but we are. <laughs> um, so, look, I mean, we saw it last year. Shake got hot in game two against the Hawks. That was really all he got hot in, but that that got us a win it got us a win at the end of the day and look we you know i know Maz hasn't played well in playoff basketball but we've seen him in in certain games here and there like not this season at all really but in the past we've seen him get hot at certain points and have some big games i'm not asking for these guys to do anything big i'm asking for them just one game in this series come off the bench and put up 10 points on like three or four from three point shooting right that should be enough you know when when Tease isn't out there with the other guys playing well, obviously, depending on how the other guys play, that should be enough off the bench to help us get a win, right? That's what I need is, is one of those guys to step up in his absence when I know they're not going to be starting, but one of their roles is going to get elevated. And one of them is going to be asked to be the hot hand. Last year, it was between Shake and Maxi. Maxi's obviously one of our three stars now. Now it comes down to Shake or Maz, which one of them can get some confidence. It looked like Shake was getting some confidence back at the end of the regular season. Hopefully, that's a sign of things to come. I don't know. And Maz... Maz, just forget. I know I bash on Maz a lot, but look, forget what happened in the regular season, man. This is a new season. I know he's really lost a lot of his confidence shooting, and you know he's not really a fan favorite except for for Mew. But look, he can he he can he can hit some shots. He can hit some shots. Maybe it's a role reversal this year. Maybe he's bad in the regular season, and maybe he's going to be good in the playoffs. But they're not going to play much. It just comes down to this series with Tease being out. Can they step up enough to help us get to the second round? I got you, man. I think that's everything we wanted to do for this video. Thank you all for watching. Series, series prediction. Series. Oh, we're doing the whole series prediction now? 
Oh, you're right. We, we got to, bro. We got to. We said we would do another one after the reaction video. We did. We did. All right. I got to say, though, mine has stayed the same. Even throughout all the research I've done, it stayed exactly the same. I'm keeping it Sixers and six. I think the first two games are key once again. I just think it's got to be that, Sixers and six. I mean, obviously, I'm picking a Sixers win. I, I just think we have to win in five. I, I'm not confident in us going on the road without Tease and winning those games. So I think we have to. I think we have to pull out one road win in games three or four, and then come back home and wrap it up. So that's where I'm kind of at with it. And obviously, getting off to a two zero lead, no matter how the series goes, you have to win the first two. So, yeah. All right. Well, now everybody, thank you for watching. We appreciate you tuning in on this Saturday, whenever you do, or if you're watching later, we appreciate that as well. Like, comment, subscribe. We appreciate all that. Channel been growing. Thank you all so much for that. We appreciate every single one of you. And, all, eh. and as always, God bless you all. Have a good one.